What kind of classes have you had? I haven't had classes. Then what are you doing here? I'm watching you be a prick. Okay, ladies, I'm Tony Moss. I produce this show. Some of you may have heard that I'm a prick. I am a prick. I got one interest, and that's the show. I don't care if you live or die. I want to see you podcast, and I want to see you review. I can't use you if you can't review. I can't use you if you can't tell a joke, and I can't use you if you can't banter. Now, let me take a look at you. Spread out. Spread out. Jesus Christ, Marty, take a look at these jokes. What are these, puns? This is a podcast, not a vaudeville act. See ya. I've seen you before. I auditioned for you in January. You told me to get my jokes fixed. Your jokes look good. Thanks, Mr. Moss. Nice banter. Thanks, Mr. Moss. All right, let's see what you got. Jason here is going to run you through the podcast, starting from the top. And remember, this isn't some AM radio show when fuck with Eric Arkansas. This is big time. This is a podcast. You want some ice for your nipples? Uh... Uh, what? What? The audience wants to hear you review a classic movie. And they want you to be excited about it. So they can get excited about it. How can they know if you're excited if your nipples aren't hard? Well, it's an audio medium. They can't see my nipples. No. But they can hear them. Look, you don't want the ice? It's your funeral. Cue the opening music. Okay, Jason, when you're ready, five, six, seven, eight. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Late Seating. I am Jason Harding. <laughs> and I am Steve Shives. And on this show, we take a classic film and give it a fresh review to see if it lives up to its reputation, whether that reputation is good or makes you want to blow your brains all over your den after you're done. <laughs> right, Steve? Guess which one this one is. Well, we're both still alive, so we never had to take that awful step. <laughs> it's only it's only due to the consideration and support of our loved ones. We both have very good support networks. It was the thought of you, actually, Steve. I had the gun right in my mouth, and I was like, no, I can't leave Steve to do this alone. I can't leave him all here by himself. I can't. He'd never make it through the show by himself. And so, then she gets picked up by an Elvis impersonator. <laughs> so... <laughs> What movie had us questioning whether or not we wanted to continue to exist? Steve, what movie are we reviewing? Oh. This time around. What else could it be but Showgirls? <laughs> yeah, it just it leaves acid in your mouth, doesn't it? Oh, boy. My bile. I, I'm surprised I can still make it. I feel, I feel gross. My poop was all green. Was that, was that bad? <laughs> I, well, I, I, it's what I had to. I just. Yeah, and you had that sensation where you even no matter no matter how many showers you take, you just you don't feel clean. No, you still got glitter, and that glitter stinks. It doesn't it's, come off. I don't think it ever comes off. In every nook and cranny, it's bad. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, do you it's have any good. trivia about showgirls before I put up the names for the prosecution? <laughs> um, it is the highest-grossing NC-17 film ever made. Ooh, what a feather in its yeah, cap. I was, it's which, got... which might have something to do with uh, why the NC-17 rating is treated as a complete joke and toxic, wow. and nobody ever wants to have their movie rated that. Speaking of caps, that cap that it's wearing is one of those trucker caps that has, like boobs on the front instead of like a, a beer logo 
And the feather is a boa feather, and it's sticky, and it droops down and kind of sticks to the side of your head when you wear it. It's really gross. Don't and and the, and the truck has um, has plastic bull testicles hanging off the back bumper. Although I don't think those are supposed to be bull testicles. What? Are they? <laughs> oh, really? I think they're supposed to be human testicles. There's oh. something. There's a deep, deep psychological component to truck nuts. That we're you know, going to discuss at length instead of reviewing this movie because I don't want to go back to Las Vegas. You know, in the town where I grew up, there was a big dairy farm and they had a great big uh, white statue of a bull in their front yard. And one and, and it was anatomically correct. And then one day somebody snuck up to the statue in the middle of the night and they hacksawed the bull's balls off. Oh. And it, it called, it, there, was, there was such a scandal. Was it? Was it in the newspaper? I don't think. Actually, it may have made the paper. It may have. I don't. I don't. I don't want to definitely say that it didn't. Now we've only casually mentioned where Steve's from before, but yeah, no, don't don't worry. He didn't grow up in like rural Kentucky, <laughs> where this made the local paper. <laughs> he didn't live in Mayberry. Having <laughs> having never lived in rural Kentucky, I can't. I can't say for sure, but. Yeah, I just know there were there were a lot of people who who were very interested. In you know the, for a fact that somewhere in your hometown, there's a pervert who has those testicles like hanging from his ceiling in his bedroom. Oh yeah, and and uh, odds are good that it's someone that I know. <laughs> like I don't I don't know who it is, but if it was ever are revealed, you confessing who has to it? something, Steve? <laughs> yeah, it was me. Goddamn no! Whoever it is, I'm, it's it's almost certainly someone I at least went to high school with. Oh, God. Just odds are, there's just not that many people that live around where I grew up. Let's keep talking about this for two more hours, and then yeah. we'll just call it done. It's a done deal, everybody. And, and uh, yeah, and then we'll say, hey, uh, you know how you all feel after listening to that conversation? That's how we <laughs> felt after watching Showgirls. So the testicles, were they plaster? They weren't plaster pairs. They must have been fiberglass. They, yeah, it must something that you could have saw through, yeah. See how willingly he's just going along with this? Yeah. That's and how hard it is for us to veer back. Uh, hey, Steve, look look up ahead. Yeah. It's, a, it's a marquee. It's telling us everybody that made the movie. You ready? Uh, let's do it. Yeah, you know, we, we might as well just face it down and just get through it. Yeah, that's right. We're going to swallow it. this big, gross, this gross pill. Oh, God. All right. <laughs> the movie was directed by Paul Verhoeven. I like Paul Verhoeven, don't you? He hasn't yes. done much lately. But he's made some of my some of my favorite films, Robocop. Starship Troopers, um, that's about it. <laughs> but, but those two were really good. Yeah, they were really good. I I kind of think that this is kind of his second movie in his trilogy of what he actually thinks about America. I think RoboCop, Showgirls, and Starship Troopers are are just his his commentary of what he thinks about American culture. <sighs> he doesn't think much of it. No. <laughs> or, or he's like, look at, they'll go see any goddamn movie I make. Look at him. <laughs> well, originally he wanted to make a, a musical. He pitched that to us. He was talking with with uh, the primary offender in this, yes, uh, Joe Esterhaus, and he was like, I want to make a musical. And Joe Esterhaus heard, I want, I want to watch titties for two hours. <laughs> <laughs> and Esterhaus said, I can do that. Uh huh. Um. Verhoeven deferred 70% of his $6 million director's fee, which was dependent if the film turned to profit. Oh, Paul. Guess what, Steve? (laughs) (laughs) We'll get to that at the very end. You know, sometimes artists just aren't very good business people. It's just a fact. 
Mm-hmm. It was produced by Lynn Ehrensperger, Charles Evans, Mario Casar, and Alan Marshall. It was written by Joe Esterhaus. <laughs> Sorry. Get it all out, sweetie, because uh, he's coming up again. It was a gag uh, reflex. He also wrote uh, Basic Instinct and mm. Flashdance and uh, Sliver. And uh, he was paid, after all was said and done for this movie, $3.7 million to write. To write. I said write. Mm. <laughs> this movie. Yes, because think about it. This movie existed on paper before it ever existed on film. And people <laughs> read the script and then they said, yeah, I want to make this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which made him, because of his, with along with his other successes with Basic Instinct, um, made him the highest, oh boy. The highest paid screenwriter in Hollywood. <sighs> so think about that, all of you aspiring professional writers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Starring. <sighs> oh, there is no stars in the heavens. <laughs> because they all turned themselves off in shame at the cast list for this movie. Oh, you ready? Let's, Elizabeth let's hit it. Berkeley. As Nomi Malone or, or, or Polly Ann Costello. Oh, spoilers for yeah, the shock if, ending of this movie. If that is her real name. And we all know Elizabeth Berkeley from Saved by the Bell and nothing else because she don't work no more is really yeah. some TV stuff. That's about it. Yep. And at this point, that's all we want to know her from. <laughs> Kyle MacLachlan, who I uh. usually like a lot. Like a lot. I really like Kyle MacLachlan a lot. Yeah, don't me too. He's and this is this is some belated dues paying. This is this is this is karma catching up and saying, Kyle, you had a pretty good run there at the start of the career. Guess what, That's buddy? That's right. You worked with David Lynch a lot. Time to pay the piper. <laughs> we all know him as from Twin Peaks and Dune and Blue Velvet. Yep. Did a lot of good work. Yep. And you he's know, gonna be in Twin Peaks again very I, soon. And and actually, this movie is is a little more fun to watch if you just imagine that his character here is Agent Cooper after Bob possessed him. Yeah, he, he just oh. went real. <gasps> he went real bad. After season two, we go right into this. Yeah, exactly. Ah, oh, that makes sense. Uh, Gina Gershon, who I liked in one movie uh, <laughs> as Crystal Connors, she was in the movie Bound, and then she made this, and then she disappeared like a fart in the wind. <laughs> Glenn Plummer as James Smith. Um, I don't have anything for him. Robert Davi, who as Al Torres. You know Robert from everything. Yeah, it's he's one of those actors. It's basically Robert Davi as Robert Davi. <laughs> yeah, Robert Davi as Robert Davi. <laughs> Because it doesn't matter if he's playing a cop, a mobster, a tough guy. I don't think he's ever just played nice guy neighbor. No. Well, he, because he, he can't. <laughs> he's not the guy you cast as the crusading guidance counselor. If he came over and asked nicely to borrow a cup of sugar, you'd beg him not to kill you. <laughs> we don't oh kill <laughs> Honey, get out of here. Run out the back door, Robert Davi. <laughs> okay, I'm going to throw this cup of acid on him, and we're going to run. <laughs> I don't know if it'll kill him or not. It's I don't have any choice. Alan Rakins as Tony Moss, and uh, we only really know him from the t- TV show L.A. Law. Yeah. Gina Rivera as Molly Abrams. Lynn Tucci as Henry Mama Bazoom. That's a real name that's in the movie. Yeah. Greg Travis as Phil Newkirk. Al Ruscio as Mr. Carlman. 
Patrick Bristow as Marty J- Jacobson. William Shockley as Andrew Carver. You're probably wondering, hey, where's all the trivia for these people? They didn't do much. Michelle Johnson as <laughs> Gay Carpenter. Pamela Anderson. I don't remember her, but she's apparently party singer. They snuck her I don't her even in. remember. I think I must have fallen asleep before I got that 300-mile <laughs> stare where I started to think, I have to kill Steve first before I kill myself. <laughs> I can't let him suffer. <laughs> I'm doing him a kindness. <laughs> Dewey Weber is Jeff. Rena Raphael is Penny or Hope. And um, there was a sequel, Steve. There was? Yes, an unofficial sequel called Showgirls 2, Pennies from Heaven. Uh-huh. Starring Rena Raphael, who wrote, stars, and produced it. I think she directed it, too. So they made a sequel to a unofficial. To a, they made an unofficial sequel to a, a a notoriously bad movie, and they subtitled it with the same title of another notorious bomb. Yeah, <laughs> that's back. How could you miss with that strategy? Starring someone who's barely in the movie, a character that's barely in it, Penny. Yeah. Uh, Melissa Williams is Julie. Ungala Brockman is Angie. Melinda Songer as Nikki and Bobby Phillips as D. Music by David A. Stewart. I, there's nothing in this. I don't remember there being a soundtrack. No, me neither. The the showgirls love theme. What is that? <laughs> I think it's the same club music you hear throughout the whole thing. Cinematography by Jost Vacano. Edited by Mark Goldblatt and Mark Helfrich. Production company, Corolco Pictures and Chargers. I don't know what that even means. I know (laughs) Corolco. They made lots of movies. It was distributed by United Artists. Release date, September 22nd, 1995. Running time? Fuck you. Too long. That's what I say. (laughs) Fuck you, movie. 131 minutes for this? That's more than two hours, Steve. Yeah, yeah. To spend with these people. I feel like I have to go to a clinic now. (laughs) I mean, I I know that this is like a 20-year-old movie, but who knows? We may have to. If you could get a venereal disease from a movie, you'd get it from this one. Oh, my God. Budget, $45 Box office, (laughs) $37.7 There, see... There's some so good it things. Didn't make its money back. However, and we've mentioned this before, there are some people trying to rehabilitate this movie. Yeah. It, it's stupid, <laughs> and I want them to stop it. <laughs> Those people are bad. And we don't mean so, this movie's so bad it's good kind of rehabilitation, but actual critical rehabilitation where they go back and they say you know what this movie it has a lot to say about stuff it, this movie doesn't have anything to say about anything this movie no I'm reviewing it now fuck no there's no stop it the the only explanation is perhaps the, those people are attempting to uh, to troll the film critic community in an attempt to discredit the entire those people of film are trying to itself. explain in a review form to their wives why they were jerking it to showgirls. <laughs> it has artistic value. You fail. don't understand. Yeah. You don't understand. And and I, I wanted to be feel like part of the movie, so I started jerking it. <laughs> I'm working. Leave me alone. I don't care if dinner's ready. Why are you crying? <laughs> this is the life I chose. 
Did you have to walk in here with the kids? I told you. I told you. I told you when the door is closed and the red light is on, do not interrupt me. <laughs> I hung my little reviewer's notepad on the door on the doorknob. That means don't disturb me. <laughs> All right, Steve. It's time for us to do it. Oh yeah. You ready? Yeah, I, I'm. I'm told that reliving traumatic experiences can actually help. So, great. All right. Well, <laughs> let's put on our g-strings. Let's rub us some ice on our nipples. Oh boy! Thank thank God that this is an audio medium, eh? Uh huh. And let's lower our heads and shuffle our way, uh-huh. <laughs> averting everyone's gaze. <laughs> Into the world of showgirls. Steve, Mm. take it away. Well... I'm serious. Put it in the back of a van and take it. So I don't care where you take it. I I don't care what happens to it. Just (laughs) promise me I don't fucking see it again. Oh my god, I wish this was a mashup with Casino. I mean, why can't stuff like this ever top the banned books list? (laughs) Why is it always some fucking John Green novel? Why can't they say, no, let's get rid of showgirls. Can we do that? And we haven't banned Mark Twain in a while. Let's ban him again. Yeah, like, you know Showgirls is just out there, right? <laughs> yeah, it's just flowing out. You can rent it at the library. Is that supposed? Is that right? I don't think so. Yeah, but let's let's cross out the naughty words from Catcher in the Rye. That's a much better use of your time. <laughs> let's cross out the words. Okay, so... We, um, just cross out Catcher in the Rye. Just cross... Ooh! <laughs> Dude. Welcome to BookBeat. This is Jason. I hate Catcher in the Rye. <laughs> Welcome to BookBeat. Um, hey, I mean, you know, or we, we can, beat a book. Or <laughs> you beat a book. I'm going to defend it like I'm still 15. 1984 could never happen. I hate this book. <laughs> giant white whale, my ass. <laughs> More like giant white waste of my time. What about verisimilitude? Okay, do you realize how hard we're swerving? I know. We we see the big spangly truck coming. And we're we're just uh, like, no, if we turn now, we won't get hit by don't, it. Don't, but we're still going to get hit by it, Steve. Don't get in the truck. <laughs> <laughs> don't get in the truck. Okay, so here's what I'm talking about. Um, uh-huh. We we meet our hero? Don't um, even use that word. We meet the character that the movie's supposed to be about. Yeah. Um, Nomi. It's a cold open. Yeah, a very oh, yeah. artistic cold open. Oh yeah, it's like yeah, it's it's like it's like a French New Wave movie. Uh, uh, you didn't hurt a little inside when you said that. <laughs> I I I just heard Jean Luc Godard screaming. I'm sorry. He sounded really upset. Um, no. Uh, so yeah, we 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 cut in on our main character who is Nomi Malone. We soon learn her name. And she's yeah. walking up to the side of a highway, and she puts her thumb out, and she gets picked up by a pickup truck being driven by a guy who looks like he's tr- he's going to Vegas to audition to be an Elvis impersonator. He's like Rat Elvis. Yeah, he's like a rat, and Elvis had sex, and he was the offspring. And he's also a, an exposition engine. Yes. Because uh, he's like, you can sit closer to me. And this is when we discover that uh, Nomi, the character that we're going to follow through this entire fucking movie, is um, completely unlikable. In every way, shape, or form, she whips out a switchblade, 
and he's like, "Where, where are you going?" And she, then we get the whole thing. She's going to Vegas to become a dancer. That's right. Not New York, where most people go to become dancers. She's going to Vegas to become a dancer, and she seems really upset that when she gets to Vegas, she's doing a lot of topless dancing. Who'd have thunk? You thought the Vegas was like the hub of artistic dancing, yeah. right? It's like it's like if a mafia guy said, "But I came to Vegas to go straight." <laughs> <laughs> you kind of you picked the wrong place, then didn't you? <laughs> anyway, he drives her all the way to Las Vegas, right? Yeah, and uh, they park at a thing. He says, "Hey, my uncle works at this hotel, right? Uh, come on in with me." And uh, then something happens, and I, I just I need to I need to figure this out in my head, okay, Steve? <laughs> okay. They get into the casino, and his plan. This is his plan, is to give her ten dollars. To go play the slot machines, when he and then he goes, he sneaks out to his truck, so he can steal her suitcase full of extraordinarily valuable underwear. <laughs> Apparently, yeah, that's or maybe the suitcase itself is some kind of collector's item. No, the suitcase is just f- probably filled with clothes, and that's about it. But he gives her ten dollars to steal it. So, what he, is he getting in hawk for that? So he's not actually that bad of a guy. No. <laughs> He wanted so to he wanted to rob her, but he didn't want to feel bad about it afterwards. So he gave her uh-huh. a couple of bucks for her time, you know. Yeah. So she goes in there. She gambles, She wins a little. Then she loses all of her money. Then a creepy guy uh, offers to have sex with her for money. She leaves. She goes outside. She sees the truck is gone, and then she starts beating up a stranger's car. And when the stranger shows up to try to stop her, she violently throws that person away, yeah. and then vomits out of stress. <laughs> I guess. And then runs directly into traffic. <laughs> and then the person that she was just beating up and, and throwing up near pulls her, hugs pulls her. her to safety. Yeah. yeah, pulls her to safety and hugs her because it's obvious that she's stressed out because she said everything I own was in that suitcase. And I was like, was it filled with gold bars? Because I don't think that you're really missing a whole lot. Yeah. And then that girl who is unnamed for a really long goddamn time. <laughs> Yes, that's true. Says, hey, hey, let me get you something to eat. And she's like, so, where are you from? And then Nomi throws her french fries around because she's that upset. And we start also realizing that Nomi is, I think, the mental age of a five-year-old. And despite the fact that this person has been violent, threw her off, vomited in stress, and tried to run into traffic. She's like, hey, you can stay with me, right? <laughs> Let's be roomies. Yes, Let's exactly. Let's be roomies. I want to live with... I want this 24-7. I want the person who has violent outbursts when I ask them harmless questions like, where are you from? <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, so she... Uh, this the this yet as yet unnamed character uh, offers her a place to stay, and then we jump ahead six weeks... Yeah, it tells us six weeks later. Yeah, and you're like, oh, good. Hope there's a few uh, more of these. <laughs> and that's when we find out that What's-Her-Face is a costumer for a Vegas floor show. That is such a coincidence. And Nomi also has a job. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, two gainfully employed people have to live in a motorhome. Even though they why are they living they... in a motorhome, Steve? Well, <laughs> y- you know why? Be- because apparently they spend all their money shopping, which we'll get to later. But Do they? Well... They, Neither uh, one of them are addicted to drugs. Yet. Neither one of them have like a drink. <laughs> Neither one of them have a drinking problem or anything. 
You know, it's because that's just how that because you need to have sympathy for these characters. They need to be downtrodden so we can root for them to to rise and to succeed. Mm. Anyway, uh, that's why Joe name? Esterhouse what's... is such a highly paid screenwriter. Stop. <laughs> You're just going to hear me go into a range and stop <laughs> off if you bring up his name again during this review. I can I can respect that. So the girl's name is Molly? Yes. Yeah, okay. So Molly works for a Vegas floor show, and she's like, hey, why don't you come and and come to work and pretend to be my assistant, and we'll meet all the other people that you need to know in the movie. And she goes, okay. And so she goes, and she's backstage, and she's meeting all the people, and um, then she watches the show, this great big huge Vegas floor show, which is an artistic dance interpretation of the destruction of Pompeii, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, who knows what the hell There's they're doing. like volcanoes and people jumping around and then everyone takes their tops off. Yeah, it, it's basically like uh, like a, a really heavily produced David Copperfield magic trick except people get naked and there's actually no magic in it. Yeah. Like David Copperfield never shows up. It's so popular that they even have a press conference after the show <laughs> where we meet Crystal Connors and we meet Zach who's the entertainment director and uh, there's a like news reporters there reporting about the opening of this titty show in Vegas. Yeah, it's it's big news in Las Vegas apparently. <laughs> so um then uh, Molly brings Nomi in to meet Crystal and then Crystal disses Nomi and then Nomi like a five-year-old has a tantrum yeah. and cusses her out and leaves. Because uh, as near as I can tell at this point, Nomi is not only the mental age of a five-year-old, but she also has the same impulse control problems, and I think she has ADD as well. Yeah, she's she's dealing with some issues, it seems. Yeah. It seems. And So then they go to a nightclub where she meets some guy. <laughs> <laughs> They dance together. He says, hey, you know how to dance, kind which, of. Which, I can teach you. Which, by the way, objectively speaking, she does not. No. She's a horrible dancer. But And, yeah. and the guy the guy she meets is also a bouncer at the club. And he yeah. loves her dancing so much and finds her so alluring that he risks his job to go out on the floor and dance with her while he's at work. And then he, she, again, takes it as an insult that someone could teach her how to dance. She pushes him, starts a fight. Between all these guys, which she thinks is hilarious, she starts to leave. They say, hey, she started a fight. Get her out of here. And then she gets arrested for some reason because she's in jail. Yeah. And then the for what, Steve? For, well, I, I guess there's a local ordinance against starting fights at nightclubs. Um, she didn't really do anything. <laughs> Not an arrestable offense. They were kicking her out before the entire uh, nightclub descended into chaos. <laughs> but she's there, and then the dude from last night bails her out, and she's a dick to him, right? Yeah, and he's still trying to push her on this whole, you know, like, you, you Daniel-san, me, Mr. Miyagi, I will teach you how yeah. to dance. And she's not buying it because she's an idiot. And then <laughs> Molly picks her up, and now we go to... The Cheetah Club? Yeah, this is where uh, where Nomi um, dances. Uh-huh, and we meet Al, who owns the club, and Henrietta, and Henrietta's gag dress. 
Yep. Boy, they don't get tired of that, do they? Nope. And Henrietta is all, she she also uh she has yeah, she has a dress where like she can make it, you know, drop down on command and, and expose her breasts. And she also yeah, and, Hen- yeah. and, and her running gag is she always like goes out and tells like incredibly sexist jokes. Yeah, see, um Joe Esterhaus thought he could get away with telling some of the most offensive jokes about women ever by putting them into the mouth of a woman. <laughs> so every time you see Henrietta in the movie, just picture Joe Esterhaus in that dress flashing his boobs, and it makes it much better. You you survive the experience. And then afterwards, when you think about it, you get kind of, like, real real upset. I, I, I think that Henrietta is Esterhaus trying to show us his range. He's like, look, I can degrade <laughs> women in lots of ways. You will be murdered if you, even in jest, start to defend Joe Esterhouse on this podcast. He said, "He said, look, I don't have to just have them walk around completely naked as sex I'm serious, zombies. Steve. <laughs> I will mail you anthrax. It'll say, remember Esterhouse? And you'll be like, what's all over this note? Oh, cool, a letter from Jason. <laughs> and he died never knowing what it was. <laughs> The thing is, is that I killed myself mailing it to you because I infected my... I, I have very poor, you know, containment protocols here at the house. So. I'm just keeping the anthrax in a sugar bowl on my desk. Not even a lid on it. I mean, it's, you're just asking for a mistake, you know? I meant to write a don't touch note on it, but the kids got into it. It's just... It's bad here. Yeah. <laughs> so now, now we know why you chose Showgirls. You literally had nothing left to lose. I have nothing left to lose. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, then Al explains what lollipop dances are to the new girl. Yeah. And oh, hey, Zach and Crystal are there. And uh, now we get to see Nomi have her first seizure <laughs> on, on stage. And she's all taking her clothes off, and, you know, on a pole. And Zach and Crystal are there. And then um, um, what's his name is there, too. The guy from before with the club and then um, bailed her out. He's there. Yeah. And Zach and Chris are all like, oh, well, let's get her for like a private dance. And um, so they do and they take her back. Well, she doesn't want to. And then Al forces her to and then they're going to pay her $500 for a private dance and then they go back into a back room and she takes off all of her clothes and then she has a seizure all over Jack. Yeah, Zach. yeah, she, yeah, yeah. She grinds his dick into powder. This seizure was powerful. Yeah. And, and he just sat there and did nothing. Yeah, he just kind of sat there yeah. and then they left and she goes back to the motorhome and then dude from before shows up at her motorhome in which we're like, hey, he's stalking her. Yeah, that's weird. That's not creepy at all. And then we find out that Molly, her roommate, is in school for something? Yeah. Yeah, in fact... What is she in school for? And it doesn't... I I forget. I don't care. She doesn't say, I don't think. the, the The movie doesn't give a shit about her, so why should I? Yeah. Yeah, she's only there for one reason. And when you find out what that reason is, well, you're going to want to punch both yeah. of us for making you watch this. Yeah. You're, <laughs> if you have any faith in humanity left, <laughs> just wait. Because I had completely forgot about that key plot point. If Yeah, if, if you're watching the movie up to this point and, and you think, oh, Molly seems nice at least. Oh, uh, don't. Just yeah. don't. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, uh, Nobi then goes and buys a dress. And then Nomi has another seizure at the club. 
And after her seizure, the uh, guy comes up and says, "Hey, why don't you come and audition over at the ho- at the hotel for a big floor show?" Right? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, then we go there, and she auditions, and the guy who's auditioning him is a jerk, and he's really gross. And um, Crystal is there in her Catwoman costume, <laughs> and I'm not joking. And, nope. and then at some point during the, the audition, he's like, take your tops off and uh, rub this ice on your nipples, because that's what we want. And then Nomi gets upset, and then Nomi and Crystal talk, I guess, about something. Yeah. Yeah, she says she hates her. And then she's leaving, and she runs into what's-his-name again. You know why I call him what's-his-name? Because no one has said his name. He's appeared nine times in this movie so far. Yeah, he's he's had as many scenes with our main character as anybody, and we still don't know who he is. But yeah, now yep. he's he's working as, as uh, like a bellhop. Because he got fired as a bouncer because right. because of yeah. her, <laughs> and then she gets him fired again, <laughs> and then he drives her to his apartment, and he's like, "I want to show you something," and she's like, "Okay," and she goes in and he holds up a cassette tape and says, "I've I've written something for you," and I'm like, "You don't write things onto a cassette tape. I don't think <laughs> you write dance routines onto a cassette tape, and I'm pretty sure that when you start playing that cassette tape, it's a Prince song." So uh, what did you what? do? <laughs> he's a choreographer because you know mm-hmm. he he's he he has talent too. You see, yeah. And so no, he doesn't. <laughs> and so then they they uh, start a dance routine. She has another seizure on him, and then she leaves. Right? Yeah. And he tells her, uh, I, I I don't. It, it's not this scene. It's it's one of the earlier scenes, but it doesn't fucking matter. Where he he actually tells her when she refuses to accept his offer to teach her to dance for the second or third time, he actually yells at her after as she's walking away. Um, yeah. It's you have too much talent. It's not right. Which I just find mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, then she goes home. She finds out she got the job. She goes to the cheetah club and she quits. Um. She goes and goes and tells James, and James is there, and oh, there's a woman there, and she's naked. <gasps> yep. By this point, you've seen so many naked women, it doesn't matter at all. There's nothing that you just, it doesn't matter. But she acts like James is cheating on her, even though they're not together yeah. and have not had sex or kissed or done anything. And then she gets upset at him like he's cheating, and then that scene's over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then she's showing up at the hotel, and it's Christmas now? Yeah, apparently. When was it Christmas? Yeah, I mean, who can tell in Las Vegas? She goes in and makes a fool out of herself because she says she bought her 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 dress from Versace. Oh, she's such a rube. Uh-huh. She's a silly rube, everybody. And then she has to go and give her personal information to some drudge that works there. And now we get this idea that maybe she has a shady past. Yeah, she's a little shifty when they ask her for her social security number. Yeah. Wonder if that's going to come back in any form. I don't fucking care. (laughs) (laughs) Unless she rips off her skin and she's an alien at the end of this movie. Which is, by the way, the only payoff that I would accept. Uh, That would have been a much better payoff. Well, we got your paperwork back, and he reaches over, grabs her hair, and rips all of her skin off, and she's an alien yeah. just standing there. That's why you don't have a social security number. You're from Gore Flocks 5. 
That's why you think that having a seizure is dancing. That's why... and, and and having sex apparently. <laughs> I did. I wanted to understand humans. <laughs> you failed. Return to the mothership. <laughs> Quick, he failed. Get him back on the ship and destroy the Earth. <laughs> he goes back to his homeworld to report. This is what I learned. And he starts dancing on a pole. <laughs> Draw up the destroy the Earth plans now. It's just as I feared. They're too much of a threat to be allowed to exist. Even his name, Nomi. That's not a human name. No. Yeah. Is that short for something? No. Why? It's short for why Noma. I am Nomi. I enjoy the hamburgers. <laughs> and the nudity and the sex. I am a human woman. Let's face facts. There's a number of times in this movie where she doesn't know the meanings of common things, like the word, like the term MBA. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What's that? She doesn't know how to say the word Versace. <laughs> She is a fucking alien. <laughs> Holy that's, shit! I need to re- rewatch this with that in mind. That's that's one of that's that's a theory that could possibly rehabilitate it. Oh my god! This is Starman Two. Oh my god! That's why we have the cold open. Just walking <laughs> up. To- Where does she come from? <laughs> okay, wait. We got to stop trying to turn this into a better movie. Yeah, we can't. All right, just stop. Don't just review the movie. Don't rewrite it. I would also like to note that that's how far we have to go to make sense of this character. <laughs> is we had to turn her into a fucking alien from another planet. Maybe she's actually an alien. It's plausible. Okay, so so um, we need Gay, the only nice person. Yeah, the only the only other. There are two nice people, Molly and Gay, and Gay is the nice one. Right. Yeah, and she's like the only one in Vegas. Apparently. And then we have a chimp attack. Yeah, because okay, explain this to me. It's okay. It's yeah, get ready. <laughs> I'm getting it, the the main I'll do it. the main attraction is apparently this opulently produced uh, girly very expensive yeah, very expensive girly show that is basically topless the, yeah, titty show. Yeah, but exactly. Yeah. And I guess the opening act is a chimp act. Is that what I'm getting from yep. this? The, all, all the people who put up their big money to go see this inc- incredibly expensive so high this end. This is what I picture, okay? The end of the chimp act is five chimpanzees. One is shitting in a corner, apparently, <laughs> and they're all smoking cigarettes. The audience is politely applauding. The guy bows. The curtain goes down. Two minutes later, it comes back up, and there are people dancing around a volcano topless. <laughs> yeah, so, you know. I mean, when you when you when you explain it that way, it does kind of make sense. This makes perfect sense to know me. <laughs> <laughs> Is this an accurate portrait of human society? What did <laughs> wh- what know me? When do we all dance around the volcano? <laughs> <laughs> so there's the chimp attack where the chimps get loose. We have the volcano number again. Because we needed to see it now from her perspective. Yes. Right? Zach sends her flowers. She finds flowers downstairs. Um, and now we find out that the guy who's been following her around is actually named James. We found that out when she was outside of the apartment. James. And James meets up with her again. I saw the show. Yeah. Something. And he's always like, you're still good. 
Well, I'm glad you got this job, I guess. I'm supposed to be artistic integrity, I think? I don't know what I represent in this movie. <laughs> well, yeah, he, he, he kind of yeah. half-ass apologizes to her for mm-hmm. her catching him mm-hmm. with that other girl, even though like yeah. they, he really technically doesn't owe her any apology because they were never right. together. <laughs> then Crystal and Nomi um, have dinner. And Nomi's like, I do not know what champagne is, <laughs> but I have eaten dog food. Apparently, both of them have eaten dog food. And I got you have to give this movie credit; it it does pass the Bechdel test because it does. It, it has. <laughs> They're a, both talking about dog food. It, it has. Esther House went. How am I going to make this pass? They can't talk about men. Uh, 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 uh. Looks over at his dog. Dog food. They both eat dog food. <laughs> That I'm would, a genius writer. It would still be degrading to women. Perfect. <laughs> and they get interrupted by uh, cartoonish Texas stereotypes that literally, it's like no thought went into them at all. Let's get five guys in suits and bolo ties and cowboy hats talking like, oh, gee, ma'am, I certainly would like to have a little autograph from, well, look here, gentlemen. Yes. I got me an autograph. Yeehaw! They're Texas oil billionaires who collect autographs from Vegas showgirls. Yeah, and then Crystal and Nami go back to the stage, and they have dance sex. Ooh, yeah. And then uh, Crystal says something awful to Nami, and Nami goes, I am upset, and leaves. (laughs) I am a dancer, not a whore. You fucking fuck, how fucking dare you fuck, fuck. Oh, by the way, this alien only knows one word predominantly, and that's fuck. Yeah. I think Nomi says fuck more than Scarface did. Oh, yeah. That's saying something. I, I think Quentin Tarantino saw this and went, really? (laughs) <laughs> it's just a little much. Oh, we get some backstage hijinks because it turns out a couple of dancers don't like each other all that much. <gasps> I know. There's these two dancers they got problems with. They're always yelling at each other. And then one of the dancers yells at the other one's kids and makes one of them cry yeah. or something. And, and becomes my hero and the only sympathetic character <laughs> in the film. <laughs> and then uh, Crystal suggests that Nomi um, accept a boat convention gig and um, Molly tries desperately to tell her to don't take it and she's like why and Molly could have easily said because they force you into prostitution (laughs) but instead she says I know some girls who didn't like it thanks Molly thanks for using your words you have an obvious alien living with you you know they require more (laughs) of an explanation than that so we go to the boat convention which is apparently the lowest level of this modern-day Sodom and Gomorrah. <laughs> yes. And, um, you know, the guy who arranged it shows up, and he, uh-oh, not only is he implying that they have sex, but with a foreign Japanese uh, guy. A foreign Japanese guy who can only repeat the English words that the other guy says. That's right. He's like a big Japanese parrot. Because why should and, sexism be the only form of bigotry in this movie? <laughs> And since Nomi only learned a couple of uh, appropriate responses in her human class before landing on the planet, she once again goes, Fuck you, fuck, fuck you, fuck! And runs off. (laughs) I'm telling you right now, this movie becomes so much more enjoyable if she's just an alien and she doesn't... uh, That's the only response she knows. (laughs) Just think how much... 
Oh, oh my God, that's what was in the suitcase. <laughs> it was the signal. It's E.T. That was the only way she could communicate with the ship to get home. That's why she was so mad that she lost it. Absolutely. She lost it so bad that her disguise started to come up. That's why she vomited. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> That's their that, that species' natural defense. What we didn't see was the hole that it was burning into the ground because it was pure acid. <laughs> <sighs> she gets upset. She goes and tells Zack. Zack then gets what's-his-name who arranged the thing, and he yells at him. Yeah, he's like, don't you ever do this again. Or you're fired, and you're a bad person, and I'm a good person, because I told you how bad you were. Right, Nomi? What? Yes. <laughs> That's right. You tell them, Zach. And then Nomi leaves, and literally five seconds later, Zach calls the guy he just chewed out, yeah. and he's like, no, I Nomi's, really mad. No, Nomi is... Oh, that, that, yeah, more than likely. Yeah. That's where we find out that Nomi doesn't know what an MBA is. That's true, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then right after that, we cut back to backstage, and we find out that, uh, oh, hey, here's a newsflash. Apparently, all male dancers are gay. Yeah, except for one guy. Except for gets, one guy. Who gets made fun of for not being gay. Yeah. And then that one other dancer, the one that has the problem with the other dancer, she's mean. Oh, yeah. She's yelling at everyone. And during the whole nude wedding dance, which is a thing, uh, apparently... <laughs> Well, you don't expect them to dance around that volcano every time, do you? No, I'm telling you right now, Marjorie, we went to Vegas, and first we saw a chimp act. Excellent. I've never (laughs) seen chimps smoke better, but then we watched this thing where a bunch of freaky people danced around a volcano, and I was rock hard, but not as rock hard as when they did the wedding number, where the (laughs) woman just stood in the middle, and all these people were dancing around, and her tits were out and covered with sparkles. Oh boy, we're going to reenact that, Marjorie, as soon as I get home. (laughs) I'm telling you, kids, it was the pinnacle of civilization. It's why we existed. God created us just so that this... This show could exist. <laughs> I I was sitting there and I thought <laughs> the Big Bang occurred to mm. lead to this moment. That's what I thought. Gets home to Jersey, kicks the door open, grabs all the VHS tapes and DVDs, dumps <laughs> them in the garbage. <laughs> you call this art? I've seen art, my friend. That's right. And I'm going to reenact it. Takes a costume out of his suitcase. <laughs> I want you to go through the house, Marjorie. I want you to find all the tapes of anything that doesn't have monkeys or titties in it. That's the only thing I'll accept as art from now on. Preferably both, but I will accept one or the other. So, during the nude wedding dance thing, the mean dancer throws some diamonds Uh uh, or fake jewels onto the ground, and the guy who's holding up the mean dancer trips and falls in probably the funniest thing I think I've ever seen in my life <laughs> and hurts herself, right? Yeah. We cut to okay, Steve. <laughs> they show her fall. Yep. She hurts herself. The dance is still going on, right? Yeah, oh yeah. Where is the dancer when they cut to when they rush to her side to help her? She's still on stage. Right? Yeah. In the same place. Yeah. Can I ask you a question? Sure, man. Was there anyone in the audience when that, that scene occurs? 
Uh, no, 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 there wasn't. Just, yeah. So here's what happened. <laughs> she fell, injured herself, laid there to finish out the rest of the dance. Curtain draws. Curtain opens. They have their curtain call where everyone, you know, oh, thank you so much for coming, and they all bow. She's still fucking laying there, screaming, grabbing her knee. Curtain closes. Oh, wait, they're still applauding. Curtain opens back up. They applaud one more time. Maybe they reenact a little bit of the number. Curtain closes again. Audience leaves. Not hurriedly, (laughs) but in the way Las Vegas shows do, where they just kind of drunkenly stagger out. Once everyone's gone, they reopen it. Dancer is still laying there, and then they rush up to help her. Oh, it's That's a dance- filmmaking. It's a dancer's discipline. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's 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 what it is. Is showbiz prefer, professionalism. You know what I like the most, Marjorie, is during <laughs> that wedding sequence. One of the they choreographed it so well, it really did look like one of the dancers fell from, <laughs> fell from a height and injured themselves, and then they grabbed their knee and screamed, and it really spoke to you know. Human nature, I think, is what they meant. Because she was there for a long goddamn time. <laughs> I mean, not only is she a dancer, she's an actor. I, you know, That's she's right. a triple. She's a triple threat. I bet you anything. And I she's like that they committed threat. to. They committed to it. They committed to it, Charlie. That's they acting. Committed to it. That's acting. Because she was not only there to the end of the number, she was there for all the curtain calls. And I'm pretty sure I still heard her screaming when I was in the lobby trying to get another mic. Oh, you believed it. You yeah. believed it. Funny thing, she wasn't in the next show. <laughs> of course not. That would ruin the. That would take you out of the reality of the situation. Oh, you man. know, yeah. She's she's an who artist. We'd have our heads blown out of the back of our heads when we went to <laughs> Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> so, um. Oh, then uh, Nomi's down backstage, and someone says, "Hey, Nomi, your mother's here," and she. And she didn't go, my mother, my mother died on Kremulak. <laughs> yes, of course, my mother, which I have one. During the Javuvu score, she was the first to be rounded up and put into the ISO cubes. <laughs> I you, mean, yes. <laughs> you keep my mother's name out your mouth. She goes to the stage and, no, it's not her mom. Nope, it's... No, it's not. It's just Henrietta and Al. Yeah, because they, they saw needed... The show. They needed this scene. In yeah, a we two needed hour to have a tender movie. moment with Al. We needed to have a tender moment with Al, the man who told the woman earlier in the movie, "If you want to stay here longer than a week, you'll give me a blowjob." Right? Yep. That guy. Yep. We're gonna get a tender moment with that guy, which is basically you did good, kid, and then that scene's over. <laughs> oh, yeah, and, and and he says, I forget exactly what he says, but he says something else really tasteless he says, to right before he leaves. It must be weird not having guys oh. come all over you. Yes, that's it. And God, can you imagine how hard Joe Esterhouse would have sprained his arm patting himself on the back for that one? I think I wrote one of the most loathsome lines of dialogue I ever wrote. <laughs> he didn't think it was loathsome when he wrote it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, so now Zach takes Nomi to his place. Yep. And then they she has a seizure on him in the pool. Oh yeah. Hey, now this is What this was is happening a... was not sex, Steve. That was not that wasn't no, that was oh boy, Nomi was gonna come out of her human disguise at any minute. <laughs> <laughs> the metamorphic serum is wearing off. 
The chlorine in here is deteriorating the molecular bonds of my suit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what it was, though, I mean, you have to admire the, the artistry at, at work here, though, because it was actually a callback to, to the lap dance that she gave Zach. Either that or that's that's literally the only way she knows how to conceive of any sort of sex act. Um, where she literally looks like she's having some sort of bizarre yeah. seizure. F- yeah, f- flop around like a fish that's being electrocuted. It's and- literally as if Verhoeven said, I don't want this to be sexy in any way, shape, or form. I don't want this to mirror human behavior at all. Or animal behavior, for that matter. <laughs> I've seen rhinoceros beetles fuck that's more seductive than what's in this scene. I want you to keep these two motivations in mind for this scene. I want you to fuck him as though you truly hate him and you're attacking him. And I also want you to keep in mind that he is subjecting you to a powerful electric shock. And go. Go. More flailing. <laughs> you're looking like you're having too good of a time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, now we find out that there's auditions to be Crystal's understudy. Yeah. And uh, she does it. And she gets it. Yeah, because Zach goes to bat for her. Oh, no. Everyone else thinks that the aliens slept with Zach to get it. Uh-oh. Because everyone's, like, giving her attitude. Yeah. Uh, that, you know, those dancers, they're so catty. Who would have thought? Yeah. Well, it's a good thing she goes to go see James's show. And, boy, it's just as bad as we thought it was going to be. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and yeah. The, 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 the crowd at the club is not very appreciative either. Nope. Because it's not sexy, it's pretty boring and pedestrian. But then she goes up to him, and, oh, it turns out James is going to work at a grocery store, and he's getting married because I guess he knocked up this girl that he was sleeping with. And the grocery store he's going to work at is owned by his girlfriend's mother. Yeah. His girlfriend's mother owns a grocery store. A whole grocery store. And her daughter is forced to work at a strip club. Yeah. Mom, can I please have a job at the grocery store? No. What would you do here? <laughs> you could, I don't, I don't know, know I could... why the mom has such a deep voice. <laughs> <laughs> I could stock shelves. I could run a registry. You could train me to do something, please. No, mom. you strip. You live your mother's dream. You strip. <laughs> don't you understand? You got something I never got. <laughs> a figure. I would kill to have what you got. <laughs> So, um, Naomi goes back, she gets a note that says she doesn't get to be understudy because Crystal was going to bring lawyers and stuff. Ha ha. And now we get to see the S&M motorcycle number. Because it's a really diverse show that they run there. There's fire and girders and S&M and leather and and motorcycles and it's like (laughs) holy shit (laughs) now this this takes it to a whole different level my friend Marjorie I know you thought I was a little weird before the Vegas trip but I learned new things (laughs) (laughs) it's it's like they're wearing safety harnesses but they never climb nothing (laughs) it's amazing 
they were wrapped in like garbage bags, but sexy garbage bags, and and someone came down on a chain, and there was motorcycles and fire, and where you going, sweetheart? Come back. <laughs> I mean, it's the sort of thing that Aristotle was talking about when he wrote that there poetics. Yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. I don't understand why more people don't appreciate it. The guy next <laughs> to me was jerking off real hard. I don't understand why he was doing it. It was odd. <laughs> I said, hey, come on. You're demeaning everybody here. I told him, point it the other way, please. <laughs> just point it, point it at the ground. If you can. I understand it's a little late to be stopping you now, but just <laughs> show a little consideration for me if you won't, if you don't mind, please. <laughs> So, they have the show. Nomi then decides that she's going to to attempt to murder Crystal. Yes, in front of everybody. In front of everyone, by pushing her down a metal flight of stairs. Crystal then goes to the hospital. Molly disapproves strongly. Yeah, I wish you hadn't tried to kill her. Yeah. She's like, no, and, but she's, she's like, someone else saw it. And she's like, that person didn't see anything because she had her back to me. I saw her. She had her back. She's lying for you. But it's okay, Steve, because now, all of a sudden, she's the headliner. Nomi is the big star instead of Crystal. Yeah, because I, it, they have this meeting where they're like, well, I mean, technically she wasn't even the understudy, but well, I guess it's the closest we got. Yeah. Fuck it. And now she's the one with that has the after show party. Yeah, right? and, she, and she gets to be on the local news. That's right. And she's like, "You're coming to the party, Molly?" And then Molly says, "Nope," but she shows up anyway. Well, yeah, because because don't forget, yeah, uh, something her, has to happen here. Well, and and it's because Molly's favorite singer, who we have seen posters of. And oh, yeah. Who, and who it has been implied that Molly masturbates to because she can't get a man. Right, uh, right. Is going to be at the party. Yeah. So she's <laughs> like, even though my best friend and roommate Nomi is an impulsive psychopath who mm-hmm. I just watched try to murder someone, I think yeah. I'll go to the party. Yeah. That was literally attempted murder that you witnessed. And you're not going to say anything. You're not going to do anything. And she, and oh, by the way, Nomi lies directly to her face <laughs> about yeah. it. Um, uh, and then, um, then we have a scene where the the singer guy and his bodyguards rape Molly. Yeah. Isn't that great, Steve? It's great. Isn't that just what this movie needed? It It really did. Yeah, it needed a really awful scene like that, which cuts between that happening to Molly and Nomi down dancing with Zack, and which... Zack is like, I think I'm falling in love with you. And Nomi's like, I do not understand humans. <laughs> what is love? You must teach me these things. Is love what we did in the swimming pool? <laughs> I did not like that. I... That was not good. <laughs> Very little that I have experienced so far has been enjoyable. <laughs> I have been confused and depressed ever since. <laughs> So, um, now we go to the hospital. Yeah, Molly goes or to the Molly's, hospital, and yeah. Nomi and and Nomi says to Zach, uh, "Hey, Zach, 
Just a quick question. Why didn't anybody call the cops? And Zach's like, we can't because he's a headliner at this hotel, and next year he might be at our hotel, and this is just the way it goes, and you're going to play along. And um, Nomi uh, musters up her alien defense of spitting acid in his face, but only manages to spit. Because uh, Nomi's become indoctrinated to human humanity. Yeah, it's been Nomi's watered forgetting down too much. what it's like to be an alien. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so uh, I but knew I shouldn't that, have taken my transformation compound this morning. But before that, Zach has Nomi's file. That's right. And we he... find out that Nomi is is not an alien, but a person called Polly, who was a hooker, I guess. Yeah. Or something. We know she never trained to be a dancer. Oh, no. No, <laughs> She never no, no. went to a dancing school. She just kind of knows how to do it, I guess. Yeah, she's uh, she's uh, she she dances by ear. Yeah. Sure. And Zach's like, You're gonna make, we're going to make lots of money. And then she spits on him. And then she leaves. And then Nomi decides to become the vengeful hooker ninja. <laughs> yes, exactly. Where she, there's a sequence of her painting her nails as if... She was Rambo, yes. loading arrows into her thing. All she, all we needed was that music, you yeah. know, that driving music from Predator when 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 Schwarzenegger is setting up the booby traps. <laughs> and then she can she can contact uh, Andrew on his CB radio and inform mm-hmm. him that she she's his worst nightmare. <laughs> I'm coming for you. And she doesn't do that. She goes no. up to uh, this guy's hotel room. Uh, gets past the guards because she's a woman. What does she matter? She gets in there. Dude's laying on a couch, and she takes her top off and she's put lipstick on her nipples. We're treated to the grossest scene I think I've ever seen in my life, where a man obviously doesn't know what to do with a human breast when it comes to a mouth. He's like gnawing on it like a puppy gnaws on a chew toy. Yeah, and then she kicks him a lot. Right. Yeah, and my favorite part of this is uh, first she puts a knife to his throat and warns him not to make any noise, and then right. she proceeds to scream and yell while she kicks yeah. the shit out of him, She's yelling "fuck you, fuck!" No, oh, sorry, "fuck, fuck you, fuck, fuck." <laughs> Finally, I understand a human emotion: vengeance. Right. Despite the fact that she is screaming in anger at this guy and beating him up, the guards are just sitting out there in the lobby, going, "Oh yeah." He's he's hate fucking her, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're just sitting out there reading the newspaper, which you uh-huh. know the, the the front page stories probably all have to do with Nomi's stage show. You know, because why would print media? And by the way, those it? two guys needed to get it too, but they they're not going to get anything because yeah. Why why do they get off the hook? Because they're not they're not the famous one, I guess. Oh, I think Kremulak <laughs> is calling me now. <laughs> Wait, we have to tell our side of the story. <laughs> this was not what we intended. <laughs> You can't blame us for this. We reached out in peace and you did this to us. She was innocent. <laughs> so, um, Nomi goes back and sees Hall, uh, Molly to say goodbye. Molly's yeah. barely conscious. She says, I love you. I'm leaving now. Right at the moment where you probably need a friend more than any... I'm oh, sorry. When you need someone the most... <laughs> I am leaving. I will not be here to make sure you get out of the hospital so that you can go back to your lonely mobile home alone and deal with what's happened to you by yourself. (laughs) 
she gives her her stuffed animal and leaves. And then she visits Crystal, right? Yeah, who happens to be, you know, in the same hospital. Yeah. And it turns out everything's going to be fine with Crystal. Because she's she got a bunch of money. Because I guess she sh- she sued the hotel or something. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I'm kind of glad that you pushed me down those stairs and almost killed me. Yeah. And then they kiss. Right? Yeah. And then she's... Despite the fact that she had no drug addictions or expensive habits, and we know that she had to have made some kind of money at some point doing you, something. You would think. Like, she's hitchhiking her way out of Vegas, right? Yeah, and in a in a, uh, in, a in a beautiful bit of of closure, <laughs> uh, yes. she gets picked up by the same guy. Oh my god. And and she's like, I need my suitcase. I want off this planet. <laughs> I need my real skin. Give me back Give my it skin. To me. And we follow the truck, and the truck drives past a billboard with Nomi on it. Yep. I'd like to remind everyone that Nomi was in one show, only once. <laughs> Yet somehow there's a billboard with her up on it. And we follow the truck as it drives past a sign that says Los Angeles. So she's trading in the world of prostitution and uh, and low morals of Las Vegas for the world of prostitution and low morals of L.A. Good luck. (laughs) (laughs) I hope the truck blows up. I want the truck to blow up. I, I mean, I, I sort of presume that in as as the truck goes down the the road in that wide shot at the end, that she's just stabbing him repeatedly with that switchblade. I think she's switching bodies at this point. <laughs> she, she's unzipping her woman suit and <laughs> hanging that on like the garment hook in the cab Maybe of the truck. Maybe things will be better as a man. This was a mistake. <laughs> I need your skin. <laughs> now I will inhabit you. The end, Steve. Oh, yeah. The end? The end. Really? Okay, good. Yes, yes. So, we Steve, made it. how did you feel about this alien experiencing human culture movie? <laughs> Showgirls. You know, at a time like this, I feel like you really have to quote Dirk Diggler. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> it's not sexy like it should be. <laughs> I mean... It really is. I mean, there, there there are movies, and we've talked about this before on this show a lot of times. That I don't really, I, I don't really hate movies because I figure it's a movie, and I can not like it, and I can think that it's terrible. But it just it's it oh, feels we've like, tested that here, haven't we? Oh, Steve? we have, we have. <laughs> it, it, it feel usually I, I would say oh, yeah, it's just, it feels like a waste of energy to say like oh I hate that movie. But this is one of those movies that really tests that for me because it's. It's just like it's not. It's not the worst made movie I've ever seen. Because Paul no, there's Verhoeven, money in it. Yeah, if there's money in it. Paul Verhoeven is a, an incredibly competent director, and you know the. I mean the the acting is terrible, but I've seen worse acting. You know mm-hmm. uh, the the story is awful, but I've seen movies with sillier stories. But there's just I I don't know if I've ever seen. Like just a more loathsome movie, like it's just it's filthy and dirty and and has no class and nope. and is just and raunchy and not in like a fun way, you know, not like in a clever sort of 
and and certainly not in any kind of sexually appealing way. Like it's just it's just dark, sad, cynical, mm-hmm. depressing garbage. And yeah. it's you know, it got so much attention when it came out because it got an NC-17 because there's just there's just so much nudity in it. Like it just overwhelms you the amount. You know, one of the when I was watching it like the the joke that I had running through my head was oh okay yeah well we did have one scene where nobody got naked so I guess we need to have one now where somebody you know has their top pulled down or whatever mm-hmm. it just it, it just it it, it becomes it, you just become blunted to it after after a while where you're just like I don't even care that there are naked people on the screen it means nothing to me <laughs> and and it's not it's not erotic or alluring or sexy nope. in the least nope. little bit and mm-hmm. it's you know and I, yeah, it's it's just it, you. Feel, I feel like I feel bad for having watched it. I feel bad that it's a thing that it even exists. You know, it's <laughs> it's such it's one of the sleaziest, most awful things I've ever seen, and it's one of those things. It's it's the reason why if I if I, you know, if I turn on the TV or log onto the internet and I see news headline in the entertainment section, oh hey, somebody beat Joe Esterhouse to death with a shovel, I would say, <laughs> oh. How about that? Like I wouldn't have the sleep. The sl- How about that? I wouldn't have the slightest bit of sympathy because all yeah, well he wrote Walt Showgirls. Disney so- was right. Dreams really do come exactly. true. He wrote Showgirls, so that one was kind of coming around. You mm-hmm. have to figure, right? Um, you know, it's it's and I actually I was I was talking about it because um, as as with as is the case with many of the movies we review. I watched this with my wife and I said, I forget which scene it was, but there's one of these scenes where I turned to her and I said jokingly, you know, I'm starting to maybe get the feeling that the people who made this movie just hate women. And she said, without missing a beat, oh no, they hate everybody. Yeah, there's it's no not, good characters. No, it's like, and it, it's undeniably misogynist. You can't possibly seriously argue to me that it's not a deeply I offensive. I would argue that this is deeply anti-humanist. I yeah, mean, well, I don't think these people like humans. Well, that yeah, that's. I mean, that's that's my point. Is that it? It's undeniably misogynist, but it's it it seems to think that everybody is garbage. Every single yeah. character is either is either complete garbage or like Molly is just there to be abused and tortured to show how much garbage everybody else is. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just awful. I mean that it that that scene where where Molly is attacked for no reason at all serves no mm-hmm. story purpose at all because if if the reason it's there is to finally give Nomi a reason to to walk away, she's had like fifty reasons already. Yeah. I mean, it's not like you need, oh, she finally realizes, oh, wow, I'm in a really corrupt, awful, abusive career here. Like, she, mm-hmm. she, she should have picked up on that by well, now. Well, I mean, it's, it's one of the, if, if I can interject. Yeah, go for it. It's the laziness of the script. And the laziness of the script is rather than write a character where we can see that their motivations change and their perceptions of the world changes, and then they have a perceptual change. Where something happens. They have to do it in the broadest strokes possible. I'm surprised Molly lived. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm really surprised that she lived. Uh, I was fully expecting, because this this movie is about as subtle as a gigantic pink dildo being dropped off the Empire State Building. <laughs> Which I'm surprised wasn't a scene in the movie. <laughs> that That they didn't have her murdered. And that was the big cover-up. Because that's that's the type of story we're that's the type of writing we're dealing with. Yeah. In this, 
Um, sorry. Yeah. Please. Well, yeah, but no, you're right. Continue. It's like it's 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 lurid, not in any meaningful way, not in any sort of intriguing or challenging way, not in not in any even clever way. It's it's just it's it's lurid and sleazy just for the sake of it. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and that just I I I just I I don't respond well to that. Um, no. And it, I mean, the the acting is terrible, but it's hard to see. Even if Elizabeth Berkeley was a fantastically talented actor, she knows uh, how to say fuck a lot. She knows how to yeah. She 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 gets into that one gear, and man, she just she drives in that gear for the entire movie. It's amazing to watch a character have one note through the entire film. Yeah, no matter what happens to her. Yeah. <laughs> And, oh, she's mad. She's mad about this, just like she was mad about the other thing, and she's mad about it in exactly the same way. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's 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 also the way the character is written, and the way the other characters are written to respond to her, where she is depicted, or not not actually depicted, but but we're constantly told, especially through the James character, that oh, she has this amazing raw talent as a dancer, mm-hmm. and and her dancing that we see. Is the is comically bad? It's mm-hmm. like Elaine from Seinfeld, except that was <laughs> except <laughs> except that was supposed to be a joke. Like it, we, mm-hmm. you're supposed to think that's funny. Everybody is on board with the fact that oh, Elaine's a terrible dancer, and everybody knows but her. But in this movie, it's like nobody knows. People people see her dancing, and they're actually like the 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 furthest that they go is like, well, she's raw, she's undisciplined. You know, the the she dances like she fucks, which is to, I guess is true. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but nobody She's actually. She's the dancing equivalent of the band at the beginning of uh, Pod People. Yes, <laughs> yes. It's like, doesn't anybody get that she's terrible? Really, nobody thinks <laughs> that she's terrible. Nobody. That's the universe that we're living in. Uh, you know, so it's just it's it's terribly written from from a character perspective as well as just being chock full of sleaze and garbage. Um, mm-hmm. It's just yeah. It's just it's 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 unclean, man. It's just it's unclean. Mm-hmm. It's um, lying to you about not having anything. It's lying to you. Yeah, exactly. You need a full body condom before <laughs> yeah. you watch this movie. Don't trust it. Yeah, don't trust it. Um, but yeah, so that's that's pretty much what I have. It's just it's it's awful, hateful garbage. That, yeah. That's my review. Now I recognize that this movie has kind of fallen into cult movie territory because there's enough people who find it so bad that it's kind of entertaining. Yeah. And for me, I kind of have. The, the defining thing, and we discussed this right before we did the podcast, the defining thing for me, for me to find a bad movie enjoyable is intent. Yeah. What was the intent of the filmmakers? Now, that being said, I, I fully think that Tommy Wiseau was trying to make a drama. That was his intent, right? Yeah, sure. The problem was is that he did not have the talent to be able to pull it off. He was not a good enough writer. He didn't have good enough actors. And uh, he didn't know how to direct. <laughs> Which and then, in turn, made the movie funny. Right. When I view this film, as far as what its intent was, its intent was to make a drama with a gajillion dollars behind it and with some fairly talented people in, in key roles. And the intent was to make a drama, not a comedy. And the stuff that's in there was gone over by several professional people before they decided that it was going to wind up in the movie. The whole rape of Molly at the end of this movie went from Esterhaus to Verhoeven through the producers, through, you know, the studio. If they said, oh, I don't know if we need this in here. And other people argued back and forth. A lot of thought went into the film before they decided to put that in there. Right? Oh, yeah. Supposedly. 
<laughs> yeah. So if I cannot define the clear and in- I mean, the intent was, of course, was to make money, but the other thing was, what was their intent <laughs> for this film? What was the whole point? We know that es- es- uh, not Esther House Verhoeven wanted to make a musical and wound up making this. If his intent was to be like, this is what sex is like in the United States, he missed the point because it's not wry enough. Right. In any any way, shape, or form. If Esther House's intent was to be the scathing, um, you know, expose on the life of a showgirl, he chose a main character that is so unlikable that you hope she gets hit by a, by that truck at the very beginning of the movie. Yeah. Because this character has no character arc. She's a reactionary, violent jerk at the beginning, and she ends as a re- reactionary, violent jerk at the end, and all through the middle, she's a reactionary, <laughs> violent jerk. Just because she beat up some dude because he raped her friend doesn't make her a good person. No. Just because she bristles at the idea that people are going to treat her like a prostitute does not make her a good person. She's not. This isn't a fall. This isn't a, a, an innocent girl showing up in Las Vegas and falling, and then, and then coming back. You know, if she had shown up with these wide-eyed ideas about who she was going to be, and then she falls down the rabbit hole, and then at the very end she has this sudden realization, and she has to crawl back up and leaves. That's a story arc. That's someone who learns something. What does this character learn? Um, <laughs> nothing. She believes that people are jerks at the beginning of the movie. She finds out that people are jerks during the movie. And at the end of the movie, she's just, she's just leaving going, oh, it turns out everyone in Las Vegas is jerks too. She didn't go in thinking anybody was nice. She threatens everybody. She assumes everyone's a bastard. So there's nothing there to feed that. It's not funny enough for me to think it's... I mean, some of the stuff is really ridiculous, but the, the spots where it's really ridiculous are few and far between. And what's in between those moments are just boring. I had, this had lots of nudity in it. I've never been more bored in my entire life watching nude women dance. Oh, and when yeah. I'm not bored, I'm just it's just icky. There's not a single... You want to say it's misogynist, and I say it's anti-humanist, because every man is a gross pervert, and, <laughs> and every woman just kind of takes it. You know? Oh yeah, yeah. No there's... one stand. Yeah, no one stands up for themselves except for I guess Nomi, who storms off and says "fuck," but eventually gets drawn back into whatever she's, whatever the fuck is going on. No <laughs> one, none of. I mean, no one gets their comeuppance except for the guy who we're introduced to five minutes before we kick him to death, the Andrew character. Yeah. So it's kind of like, well, what is this? What? There's nothing here. For me to consider it a cult classic. Now, if people watch it and they think it's funny, fine. But I just find it to be gross and icky. This isn't a Russ Meyer film. And I fucking love love Russ Meyer films. But Russ Meyer knew what the fuck he was doing. And we're going to review one soon, Steve. (laughs) Well, because he he knew how to make things cheeky. And this isn't cheeky. Yeah. This is just filthy. (laughs) This is just gross. Yeah. So, I mean... In the end, when you want, when I'm done watching it, I, if people want to appreciate it on a on a kitsch level, on a on, you know, and treat it like the cult film that it's now famous for being, it's fine. I it just doesn't work that way for me, and I think the the part of it is is that there is a certain level of innocence that's missing from the filmmakers. You forgive Tommy Wiseau because he doesn't know what he's doing, right? 
Okay? You forget the dude who made Birdemic because he doesn't know what he's <laughs> doing. You forget, you forgive Neil Breen because he doesn't even realize that he's a living person, I think. <laughs> I don't... I just, <laughs> but you forgive him because not only does he not know what he's doing, but he doesn't have a way to be able to express himself. And that that's important for me when it comes to so bad it's good. It's mm. why I like Plan 9. Because Ed Wood is the epitome of someone who doesn't know what he's doing making a film. Can you argue that with anyone who made this movie? Nope. Paul Verhoeven? Would you say Paul Verhoeven doesn't know how to make a movie? You can even argue that with Joe Esterhaus. You can argue that with the with the producers. The people who worked on this film are all industry professionals. They're supposed to know what the fuck they're doing. So when they turn out a crappy film that's a, this crappy, I can't just watch it and go, ha, ha, ha. Part of the reason why those other films are termed, the reason why we like the Fantastic Four, is because the people who made it didn't know what they were doing. And you can forgive stuff more. If this had been a movie that was made by a real estate agent from Nevada, and this was his big movie, I probably would cut this movie a fuck ton more slack. Especially if it didn't have the budget that this movie had. Yeah. But this movie had a huge budget, and it had industry professionals. And that that really counts a lot towards my calling it a cult classic. Yeah. So, yeah. Other than that... <laughs> There's nothing else here. There are no characters that you'll like. Nobody that you'd want to spend any time with at all. I'm convinced that if you rewatch this and just take it that Nomi is an alien, it, the movie becomes infinitely more enjoyable. Yeah, you have to because it makes a lot more sense. You you, you have to bring something of your own to it and impose it over it. <laughs> Look, she's either an alien or she was raised by wolves. Those are the only two things <laughs> that would make any sense. So, Steve. Classic or not classic? Um, not classic. Yeah, it, not classic. It it has a certain reputation for being one of the worst movies ever, and it deserves that reputation. Oh yeah, it does. But it doesn't deserve to be so so bad. It's good. And if you're one of those people who think it's so bad, it's good. Great. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I just couldn't. I just couldn't. I want to remove my skin. I just I don't I don't think I'll ever feel clean again. Is it possible to get brand new eyes? Can I get new eyes? <laughs> if you if you I mean if you find somebody who's offering a good deal, let me know because I will. I'm don't, I won't withhold that from you, brother. <laughs> you and me, new eye new eyes club. I'm gonna need another set of eyes. I got don't a buddy. care where they come from. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'll, I'll take like spider eyes. I don't care. <laughs> All right, now it's time for us to recommend movies that we did like, Steve. Yeah, man. Do you have a movie that you did like that you want to rock on my wall? I do, actually. My and mouth kind of gave up. I'm really depressed over this movie. <laughs> I don't want to see any movies ever. I'm done with <laughs> movies. The whole cinematic art form is just dead to me now. Uh, no, actually, I'm going to I'm gonna review or, or recommend a, a movie that I think is a fantastic movie. Uh, came out a year prior to Showgirls. Has certain very general sort of things in common with it. The, uh -huh. the big thing being that a strip club is a major setting in both movies. But, oh, no. the, but the movie that I'm going to recommend is uh, made by a talented filmmaker okay. who actually tried to make a good movie. 
and had a cast of actors that did a really good job. Um, and uh-huh. it's a movie from 1994 called Exotica. Oh, I thought you were going to recommend Roadhouse. Oh, no, no, no. Well, Roadhouse <laughs> was a little earlier. Uh, yeah. Roadhouse was 87, I think. Um, yeah. I, I'm totally not above recommending Roadhouse. but uh, No, I know. No, Exotica is, it's it, for those of you who have never seen it, it is directed by a brilliant Canadian director named Adam McGoyan. Uh, who has made a series of excellent films, and Exotica is one of his best. And it's about um, a uh, a woman who is a dancer at a strip club, and every so often, like at a, on a regular basis, she is visited by this guy played by Bruce Greenwood, one of my favorite actors ever, who mm-hmm. who comes in and pays for a private table dance, and basically just sits there and cries at her. No, this sounds like your kind of movie. And, and yeah, and and that's and that's the setup, kids. Um, why is he crying? I don't know. Don't you want to find out? Um, but it's 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 it it, it winds up. Why being... is he crying for Marjorie? I just saw a movie. It mirrors my life. <laughs> now, please promise me that after I tell you the plot of the movie, you don't jump to conclusions and try to divorce me again. <laughs> it's about a guy who hires a who hires a stripper, and then he cries in front of her while she's stripping. Where are you going, <laughs> I went over the ground rules about this earlier. This is why we have no communication. You don't understand. <laughs> yeah, so that's the setup, um, and of course, it, it goes in, it goes into some some very. You know some some very dark directions, but it's always handled with a lot of uh, with a very artistic touch and with a lot of seriousness. Um, the cast dark that, directions, by the way, is going to be the name of your first film. Oh yeah, oh yeah, dark directions. <laughs> um, but yeah, it can't get there from here. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But you know, it's one Steve of the shines. it's it's one of the trademarks of Adam McGoyan is that he he he's a couple of times he's he's made these films that deal with these not just dark but just like really like troubling upsetting themes, and mm-hmm. he handles them with great artistry and great seriousness. And and Exotica is one of those. And the the cast does a, an, an amazing job. Bruce Greenwood is good in everything. Uh, Mia Kirshner. Uh, is terrific. Sarah Polly is in this. She's always great. Uh, Elias Kateas is in this and is a fan. Does plays a really interesting character and does a fantastic Jesus, job. Sarah Polly's in it. Was she like twelve? Yes. What she, year is th- this? this? This was one of her. This was ninety four. This was one of her early films. She was only like fourteen Jeez. or fifteen when she did this. Um, but okay. she, she does yeah does uh, does a fantastic job. Um, and Victor Garber is in it. It's just a great great cast and a great movie. And if you want to see a movie. Uh, that takes a, a, a place that is usually not considered, with good reason, to be the the kind of place where you'd want to set like a really classy, artsy movie, a strip club. Uh, mm-hmm. But proves that you can do that. It proves that that you know, as Roger Ebert often said, it's not what a movie is about, but it's how it's about it. Uh, you can watch this movie, and I think uh, you would be pleasantly surprised if you're. If if your last experience was watching Showgirls, and the other thing is, this movie is only a hundred minutes long, oh, so wow. you don't have to devote that much time to it. But yeah, I, that's my that's my recommendation in in the wake of the just irrepressible awfulness that is Showgirls. I recommend instead to check out Exotica. Okay, I'm still stuck in dark <laughs> dark direction. Well, the, that's that's still in pre production, so I can't recommend that yet. Turn left at Ennui Avenue. Go down, go down Misery Boulevard, 
Ignore the man in the baseball cap. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the newspapers around here always print what time the sun rises, but it never does. <laughs> we do <laughs> We do that to give the folks hope. You can't you can't break a person's heart if he doesn't have hope. Anyway. All right. I usually recommend a movie from the same year of the movie that we just reviewed. And I try to get it uh, as close to the same kind of themes. And uh, there's a movie that came out in, uh, ni- in 1995 that uh, was also uh, about uh, a woman that you don't like who is struggling <laughs> to achieve a goal and doing awful things to achieve it. But the difference is is that this is kind of a comedy. A dark, deeply dark comedy. <laughs> And it's called To Die For. Oh, yeah. Directed by Gus Van Sant. Screenplay by Buck Henry. Based on the book by Joyce Maynard, which was based on uh, the uh, Pamela Smart murders. And if you don't know who, who, what that's about, kids, go go look it up. This is a woman that convinced a teenage boy to kill for her. Um, and that's kind of what this movie's about, except that... Uh, uh, Nicole Kidman, who plays the lead character, wants to be a news anchor woman, right? Yeah. Like, real bad. And it stars her and uh, Matt Dillon and uh, Joaquin Phoenix. And it's told in a kind of documentary style. And um, it's actually very good. It's a very good movie. Um, you know, I don't like all of Gus Van Sant's movies, but I do like this one. It's not bad. <laughs> so uh, go find to die for. I'm not going to go deep into it. The, the performances are good. You have to be in a particular mood to watch it in order for you to think it's funny. <laughs> and it was good to see Buck Henry writing something because he had been kind of uh, lying dormant for a long time. Um, so if you want to watch a real bleak, bleak movie, go watch To Die For. Have you seen that? Yeah. Oh, really? I think mm. it's a really underrated movie. It is very underrated. Yeah, and you're right. It's it's just it's an absolutely dark comedy. I mm-hmm. mean, yeah, as dark as you can get. Not yeah. since Lolita has a comedy been so dark. <laughs> you'll you'll leave the theater saying that was a comedy. <laughs> All right. Well, that's it. Thank you, everybody, for coming in and listening to us cry for a little while yeah. and come up. And really struggle to come up with ways to figure out this movie. <laughs> I mean, after <laughs> the, my my question is, after we have we have survived this trauma and been scarred mm-hmm. so you know uh, indelibly, wh- how are we going to recover from this? Where are we going to go from here? Oh well, Steve, I was thinking about it, and you know, we've done a lot of franchises on this show. You know that? Yeah, we did the Star Wars. We've done the Star Wars. Yes, we have. We've done. Uh, the the Marvel movies we've done a couple of we did one of them on special reviews right didn't yeah we? yeah we did yeah we did um, and uh, we did the Bond films can't get much bigger than that no but uh, we've kind of neglected what is not arguably is the biggest franchise in the world yeah. Steve the numbers don't lie the numbers don't lie and it's amazing that neither one of us thought of it mainly because it's kind of movie that we don't rush out to the theaters to go see is it steve no 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 not, not really but the first movie in this franchise series now qualifies for a review here and if this franchise keeps going it's going to qualify as a classic it's going to be ones that your grandkids are probably going to know something about when they're like what was a car grandpa <laughs> <laughs> i don't see what the big deal was 
So the next movie that we're going to review, and I'm going to tell you guys to go out and find, is a tiny little film, and who knew that this tiny little film was going to kick off a franchise that is the highest grossing franchise in the fucking world. Yep. No one, from tiny acorns, great oaks grow, and these oaks have cars hanging from them, and explosions, <laughs> oh, is that the rock? He's up in the upper branches now, and Vin Diesel, Vin Diesel? Who could what what franchise could we possibly be talking about? I know it's not the Iron Giant franchise uh, because I'm never going to get that, am I, Steve? If only, if only mm. that would be that. Wouldn't that be just such sweet relief after this? No, after I this actually show? I think I would become upset if they announced Iron Giant too. I think well I at this point, yeah, I'd become unglued. <laughs> nope. The movie that we're going to review is the car fighting. <laughs> motion picture classic The Fast and The Furious yeah so if you guys want to get all the jokes please I have absolutely no opinion of it I haven't seen it have you seen it Steve? I saw about 75% of it on TV once but I've Did never you? Act- yeah yeah. it was like they were playing it like on FX or something I forget and I was like oh yeah but you weren't like going I'm gonna study this and review it later you were just like it, something's on TV and things are exploding yeah exactly I, so I'll, yeah. I'll have this on in the background while I'm doing something else so yeah guys you have no idea how we feel about it. I don't even know how I feel about this franchise it's been so off my radar that yeah, unless it's got a superhero in it or a hobbit, I don't give a damn. <laughs> <laughs> Why do I want to? Uh, I, I've seen cars. Cars are all over the place. I can go outside and stare in my driveway for ten minutes if I really wanted to see a car. <sighs> right. <sighs> so that's what we're reviewing, The Fast and the Furious. And that's it. We made it to the end of this, Steve. We survived another awful film. I can't think of another awful film. I'm sure one will come up again, and I'll have to hurt you again. But for now... <laughs> I can't think of one. There are still some lurking in the shadows, but uh, I think we've earned yeah. a we've earned a break. <laughs> <laughs> so until next time, this has been Jason Harding for late seating, and go see a movie this week. And this has been Steve Shives. I'm erect. Why aren't you erect? Who said I wasn't erect? Oh, sorry. Well, I can't. I can't see. You know, not everyone's standards of erect are the same. God damn it! Oh, I'm sorry. Look, I know you were excited by the show. I was excited by the show, too. But I was more mentally erect rather than physically erect. I got it. Just a second. Marjorie, describe to my friend what I'm like when I'm erect. Stop packing that bag. (laughs) You're never leaving. Number one, we've been married for 25 years. You're used to it by now, right? (laughs) What are you going to do? Start over? Look, you're my wife. You're my best friend. I want you both to see me when I'm completely turgid. <laughs> Get a load of this tumescence. Now, I'm going to read Love's Labor's Lost, which is going to get me rock hot. <laughs> Mainly because I picture boobs while I'm reading it, okay? Everyone get ready. He's, I, from here on out, guys, I'm just doing all the reviews as him. We should, I'm done. You know what? We, we created so many characters for this fucking review. <laughs> what we need to do is we need to keep doing those voices and just revive car talk. <laughs> we don't know shit about cars, but it won't matter. I do. Well, you don't. Well, you're right. That's right. Do you even know what makes car go, Steve? <laughs> yeah, you push that pedal. 
Great. Next episode, next episode, my, guys, my, is gonna be painful. My 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 car won't move. Are you pushing the pedal? There's the go pedal. Uh, did you push it? <laughs> I asked it nice. Does that work? Uh, did you put the the car juice in the back? Whatever that is. <laughs> the car juice. You go to the thing. You go to the place and you get the car juice and you put it in the back. <laughs> Makes the car go. I keep inflating the tires and it won't go anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Inflate the tires to like 100 PSI. It doesn't do anything. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Late Seating is a Let Me Listen podcast production featuring Steve Shives and Jason Harding. Produced by Jason Harding. Theme music, Rollin' at Five, composed and performed by Kevin McLeod. You can find more Let Me Listen podcast productions at our website at www.letmelistenpodcast.com. You can also find us on Stitcher, iTunes, or just about anywhere you download podcasts. Late Seating is a listener-supported podcast. If you would like to support Late Seating or any of the other Let Me Listen productions for as little as $1 a month, please visit our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash lemmelisten. And... Thanks for listening.